You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 857 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. It is late here into the night on Thursday into Friday morning, and take you behind the curtain a little bit, I was going to wait and record this podcast on Friday. I was aiming to do a Friday show, but I was going to record it on Friday evening, but late on Thursday, word broke, as I'm probably sure you've seen at this point in time, that the NBA season is apparently going to be starting on December 22nd. Now, that's not a huge surprise. I've been talking about it for quite some time now. That's been the most likely scenario, and I've said as much, and everyone said as much in the last couple of days. But on Thursday, first reported by Sham Saranya of The Athletic, the Players Association voted to tentatively approve the NBA proposal on a 72-game season. It's going to begin on December 22nd. Woj then came in soon, soon after to uh, echo that same reporting with financial stuff still in the air in some respects. So it's not official. It's not been announced. But... When those guys report something, it usually happens. And, um, you know, they still have to sort of cross some T's, dot some I's when it comes to escrow percentages. You know, Shams, Shams reported that it was going to be in the 17 to 18% range for escrow. And that could be declining some in the future. The salary cap was reported to be $109 million by Shams Serrania. And also, uh, Woj reported just now as I'm recording this, that the two sides are expected to discuss moving up the starter for agency um, as early as possible was the wording that he used, um, especially because training camp is probably going to start December 1st. And if you have free agency well after the draft on November 18th, there isn't that much time. So there's always going to be a speed element here. It's going to go very quickly regardless. But that's the latest as I'm recording right now. And I'm sure you'll be able to find this if it updates in the near future. And this will be the last podcast this week unless, unless something crazy happens. But that is the latest. I wanted to get out in front of it a little bit here. I don't have much reaction. I've been talking about it so much that I feel like we were all assuming this. For the Hawks, it's not a bad thing, quite obviously. There could be some roster turnover when it comes to this roster because of the fact that they have so few players under contract. But at the same time, you know, the eight or nine guys that are still on the roster have not played basketball in quite some time. They'll be well-rested and not having to wait any longer. It's probably not a bad thing for Atlanta. If they do make a splash in for agency, then having to get that guy integrated in a short time span could be a challenge. Same with the draft. You're bringing in a guy and he's going to be playing a regular season game about a month after he's drafted. That's a challenge, but that's a challenge that everyone's going to have across the league. So nothing unique there. I think it probably helps the Hawks, all things considered, in an overall sense. So that is the big news from Thursday. There is actually some more news I want to get to in a second, but I wanted to leave with that now. We will have much more coming in a few seconds, but first, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast, and the first of which is Built Go. Whether it's a mental wall or a physical wall, I can break through it right now with Built Go every single day. And Built Go is the healthy replacement for your energy drink, but energy is anything but fake. Instead, it's both lasting and it's natural. Built Go is easy to take a one and a half ounce packages. You can put it in your briefcase, your golf bag, or your pocket, get you through whatever you're facing today. Built Go is essentially a five hour energy without the same feeling of a crash. Plus, it's natural and it's better for the body. As a result, and there are three delicious flavors to choose from, and chocolate mint, peanut butter, honey, and chocolate coconut, BillGo is loaded with the good stuff to ignite your work. Listeners to the podcast will perhaps know that I have multiple jobs that I have to tend to on a regular basis, and sometimes 
I need a little bit extra to get through the day and the night, but BuiltGo is a fantastic solution to break through my own wall in order to try it for yourself. Visit BuiltGo.com. Use the promo code LOCKED to get 30% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED for 30% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. All right, and some more news to get to here that I was going to touch on at the beginning of the podcast before all the craziness broke. But uh, the other big thing in Hawks land, in addition to earlier in the week, there was the reporting on Nate McMillan joining the Hawks staff as an assistant under Lloyd Pierce. That's not officially announced, but all indications are that's probably going to happen. And to that end, the Hawks um, confirmed uh, via <laughs> via an, actually a statement, but it was first reported um, by, I believe it was Mark Stein of the, Nor- of the New York Times, that Greg Foster will be joining the Indiana Pacers staff. Greg Foster was an assistant on the Hawks staff the last two seasons. He was hired by the Hawks in the summer of 2018 to join the staff under Lloyd Pierce. And that kind of explains some of the uncertainty that I had about who was not going to be on the on the staff anymore or if they were going to expand the staff. Um, Foster going to Indiana. It's kind of ironic in that Nate McMillan is coming from Indiana. Obviously, that's not a, a, a direct swap, but it's kind of, an, a, a, kind of a funny thing there, all things considered. But I, I've always enjoyed my dealings with Greg Foster. Um, he was the summer league head coach at one point, and we spent a lot of time together that week. And uh, just a good guy overall in my experience. But um, I'm sure he'll do very well in, in Indiana. And again, the Hawks confirmed it by um, a statement from Lloyd Pierce in which he thanked Foster for his service as well as his family ties, etc., Wishing the best. And he also said the following. He said, quote, this is a great opportunity for him to take the next step in his coaching career. End quote. So, shouts to Lloyd for that gracious statement on the way out the door. And uh, Greg Foster heading to Indiana. Nick McMillan coming to Atlanta, at least reportedly, at this point in time. And uh, there you go on that. The other thing that was uh, sort of newsy from earlier in the day on Thursday is that Shamsarani reported the NBA is aiming to have arena suites open to fans at limited capacity in certain jurisdictions. I'm not sure if that's going to apply to Atlanta or not. But he did, he did, he did report that it was going to be required max um, social distancing, testing for COVID-19, et cetera, et cetera. So that's something to keep an eye on. You know, media-wise, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to go. It's one, it's one of those things uh, we've not heard much, um, as you might as you might expect, direction on that. But now that we're getting down here um, with the December 22nd date, that's six, seven weeks away. At this point in time, we will see how that all goes, but that is the latest on that front. And there was some reporting and buzz, and I hesitate to make too much of a big deal of this, but people were asking, so I feel like I have to go ahead and do this now. Um, There was some player rumor-ish content that people love, so here we go on that segment of the podcast. Earlier this week, it was reported by Shams and multiple sources that the New Orleans Orleans Pelicans are openly discussing, as the way that Shams put it, uh, star Drew Holiday. In trade talks and several contending teams, that's a direct quote, are pursuing him at this point in time. I would say this, the buzz on holiday is definitely real. That initial report did not necessarily apply to the Hawks because the uh, the descriptor of contending teams does not necessarily apply to the Hawks right now. I know that long term they want to be a contender, but right now I'm reading that as a title contender for next season, which the Hawks probably are not. And holiday is 30 years old, not under, uh, under team control for very long. He does have a player option for year two he's not cheap but he's not overly expensive so technically he's under control for two more years but it's really only one and they player option beyond that but there was fuel added to that fire with a report from Zach Lowe of ESPN on Thursday I would encourage you to read the entire piece that Zach wrote it was not just about this there was lots of stuff in it uh, but the only Hawks thing was was this little snippet and also the context is important here so always read Zach in general but he wrote the fall I'm gonna read the entire passage to you now word for word just to get all of it out there and I'm quoting now from Zach Lowe. The bidding for Drew Holiday and Bradley Beal figures to center on Denver, Golden State, and Brooklyn. And to some extent, Atlanta, Miami, and Dallas. 
the Hawks might try nabbing Holiday using their number six pick, which they would be open to trading for veteran help per sources. But I don't see that alone getting it done. Would they attach one of their young wings? Question mark. So, this is me talking again now. We'll come back to Holiday in a second because he's specifically mentioned. But for me, anyway, the more interesting thing there is the theoretical of moving number six for, quote, veteran help, end quote. This is not a new thing. We've talked about it a little bit on the podcast already. It was reported as a possibility by Kevin O'Connor of The Ringer earlier in the cycle and something that I've talked about again multiple times. But Holiday is the kind of impact piece where putting the pick on the table makes sense and that Holiday is maybe not an actual like superstar, but a fringe star kind of guy. He's been an all-star consideration in the past. He is very, very, very good at basketball. Um, and that's a guy who you want to take a swing on potentially. He is a little bit older, like I said, but um, I think... He's the kind of guy where it does make sense to put that pick on the table. Now, what I, you know, it's one of those things. Number six overall is probably not the same quality pick as everybody thinks it is normally in this draft, being that this draft is kind of a mess. But still, it's a premium pick. It's a top half of the lottery pick. You don't want to give that pick away just for a lower tier veteran. That's something I would not recommend doing. Yes, it's possible that a construction might work if you were to sort of do that and get a lower pick back in the lottery, like the six for. 11, 12, 13, 14 plus veteran kind of thing does make some sense in some constructions, but I would not trade six, you know, directly for a, you know, mid-tier veteran player. That would not be what I would do necessarily in a vacuum. This is different, but, you know, Holiday is really good. It's a good example of that. And I think that, you know, using number six expressly to go for a veteran is not necessarily what I would probably be trying to do. It could backfire on you. could be an example of trying to speed up too fast, etc., um, I think it does make a lot of sense to simply use the pick or at least use the asset of the pick to look to the future while using the free agent money that you have to potentially either sign someone or trade for someone with that with that space to make you better next year, not impact you long term, etc. That's probably the more conventional path, but also I think probably is the way to go. And then that way, this, you're, this is the last time, I said this before, I'll say it again now, this is, you're hoping anyway, if you're the Hawks, this is the last time you have a lottery pick for a long time. And you don't want to necessarily turn that pick into a low upside veteran if you don't have to. Um, so going back to Holiday specifically, a lot of people were asking about this when this originally came out from Shams and then actually got a lot louder today, which I totally understand. It was not as if Zach was reporting that. That's important to point out. Zach Lowe was not reporting that the Hawks are going to do this, but he definitely, you know, anytime you attach a team to a player, it's going to get some uh, attention. So here we go a little bit more on Holiday. He is owed $26.2 million for the upcoming season and a $27 million player option for the following year. Like I said before, it's, it's pretty much an appropriate value. I think he's a really good player. Maybe not, maybe not a star, but defensively, he's really, really good and versatile. He's pretty much the best possible version of the archetype that we've always talked about on this podcast, of that of that guard who can play with Trey or without Trey in the backcourt. Holiday is not necessarily a dominant you know, on-ball creator, at the same time, he can run an offense. He also can play off the ball. He's a great example of that. And if Drew Holiday was 24, you move heaven and earth to get him. But of course, he's 30, and that makes it a little bit more a little bit more challenging. So, again, I think he's more likely to get traded to an older veteran team that's trying to win like the title next season. I know the Hawks want to make a jump, but that's not necessarily the same thing as a team like Brooklyn, like Zach, like Zach referenced before. Like Brooklyn's kind of all in with this core that they have with with KD and Kyrie. Denver's obviously pretty much all in. I mean, they're still young, but they were obviously in the conference finals this year. Golden State, same thing. Those teams for next season are in, are in a different class than the Hawks are. 
Um, and even the teams that the Hawks were um, sort of included with, like, like Miami, are a little bit higher on the pecking order right now as well. But Atlanta does have cap space, which makes it a little bit easier because you don't have to take money back if you were in New Orleans in that kind of swap. And the Hawks do have assets between the young players and number six overall. So I my general thought is I cannot see the Hawks winning a full-on bidding war for Drew Holiday. They could, if they wanted to, kind of overpay, but I wouldn't recommend that. I do love Drew. He's very good. But given the contract and the age, I think you certainly could trade for him if the market wasn't quite there for, for New Orleans or if they wanted someone on your roster. But if it's a full-on, you have to overpay to get him situation, I wouldn't necessarily go all in to do that. I do agree, though, by the way, that Zach Lowe said in that report that the number six pick would not be enough to get him on its own. I think six for Holiday is really interesting, and I think if you, I think if you're the Hawks, you would consider doing that because Drew is so good. But if it's six plus something else, and by the way, something else is probably of real value, like one of your young wings potentially, that's probably a little bit more than I would want to do for Drew Holiday. Now, Drew Holiday right now is better, at least as a median outcome, than all the young wings are likely to be at maybe any point. I know Reddish has some upside, um, but I would I would guess that Drew Holiday presently is a better player than Herter or Hunter will probably ever be. But 30 and making a lot of money and, you know, small guard may not age super well as much as uh, he's been good so far. There's a lot of considerations there. I think six for him would be interesting, and I would not love six for a veteran in most circumstances, but he is good enough where you have to at least think about that. But anything beyond that, and I do agree with Zach, that I don't think that six would be enough to actually get it done, and uh, that's where it gets a little bit gets, gets a little bit uh, of an overpay for me. So it is not impossible that the Hawks could be in the mix, I don't think, whatsoever, with the Pelicans here. They have the capital to make it work if they want to, plus Schlenk and David Griffin have worked, worked together on trades before. I would not get bogged down too, too much on holiday, on holiday specifically. As I said before, I think the most interesting part of this is probably the fact that the Hawks are trying, or at least potentially trying, to move their pick for a veteran player. Um, the wording is important. Zach wrote, and I quote now, that the Hawks, quote, might try nabbing, end quote, Holiday. That is not the same thing as him reporting it. That's that's language that's probably used intentionally. That's very soft, like not reporting language. Keep that in mind as well. I wouldn't call this a trade rumor at this point in time for the Hawks, especially with Holiday. But the rumor part is really that the Hawks seem to want, uh, seem, seem to at least want it out there in the media that they are willing to trade six for a veteran, and uh, that is probably the most important thing at this point in time. And uh, hopefully that does the, uh, the the whole game on this one. So if you have questions, let me know uh, on Twitter at BT Roller or at the show's page at Locked on Hawks. But uh, that's the rundown of the Zach Lowe reporting plus Drew Holiday and sprinkling in some other stuff. And uh, there we go on that. Okay, after a quick break here, to hear from our sponsors once again on the podcast, we'll come back, answer a couple of mailbag questions, and get out of here. All right, and uh, there was a mock draft trade that popped up this week. Um, this has been a recurring bit on the podcast, so I'll go ahead and do one now. I'm not going to go as deep as I usually sometimes would. On this topic, but um, mock draft trades are fun. So here we go. I talked about this with Jonathan Wasserman, by the way, on yesterday's podcast. Uh, me and Jonathan had a had a good time talking about the NBA draft and uh, mock draft trades came up at the beginning. So if you missed that podcast, go back and listen to it. But there was a mock draft trade from Kevin O'Connor of the Ringer, and for some background, in this mock, Lamelo Ball is kind of inexplicably still available at six, which puts the Hawks in a position that's kind of bizarre and makes this a little bit of a not impossible scenario, but makes it a, more of a challenging scenario to envision. Um, I think if Ball was on the board at six, you could certainly take him if you were the Hawks. But in this scenario, they make the trade, I understand why. And it's actually a great value. If you just ignore the fact that it's Lamelo and just think about it number six overall, the, the trade that is put forth by, by O'Connor is number six, 
to Washington for number nine, number 37, and Troy Brown Jr. So, again, take the mellow out of it if you want to. I think, or or at least assume that the Hawks don't want to draft mellow. I'm not sure which one of those is the case, but sort of in a vacuum, that's a great haul for number six. Um, you're going down three spots. You still have a top 10 pick. You're getting a, a useful second round pick and a former first rounder in Troy Brown, who I really like. I've always liked Troy Brown. I'm sure I'm higher on him than most, but he can play defense. He can handle the ball a little bit as a second, secondary creator. He's already like a rotation caliber wing now, and he's 21 years old. So that's the kind of guy... Is he going to make or break your team? Probably not, but that's the kind of useful young piece that can fit your timeline that is not necessarily like openly available that you would love. I would do this trade just for nine and Troy Brown, and the Wizards are throwing in a second-round pick that's a pretty good one in the top 40, so that's a deal that I would absolutely do. I doubt that it'll be out there, honestly. Maybe if somebody falls to six and the Wizards are just absolutely in love with whoever it is, whether it be Okongwu, etc., the Hawks would have that kind of offer on the table. I'm I'm be kind of surprised if it was that much of a value. But if you can go from six to nine, get Troy Brown Jr. Sign me up for that. Um, so people were asking about that. That's kind of the obvious take for me. Um, and by the way, in that hypothetical, the Hawks drafted Devin Vassell, which makes it even better for me because I would consider Vassell at six. So getting him at nine as well makes it even sweeter. So overall, short and sweet here. I would love that trade for the Hawks. I think it's not necessarily going to happen. And that whole mock draft thing is you know, is what it is, but I want to answer the question uh, people were asking me. So yes, I would love that. Sign me up. Okay. Last thing, a mailbag question comes from Rahelio. I hope that pronouncing that correctly, but it comes as follows. Why haven't you talked about James Wiseman as much as some of the other options for the Hawks? Is it because he might be gone or is it because of Atlanta's roster with Capella and Collins? To me, it feels like Capella is the floor for Wiseman. So that wouldn't stop me. Okay. So first I think Rilio might not have heard the Wiseman-specific discussion that I had with Brian Schroeder on the podcast in the last couple of weeks. We did about 20 minutes with him um, on Wiseman in, in particular and a lot of a lot of other prospects. So uh, shouts to Brian for all the time. We have more coming with Brian as well. But uh, that was specifically just to kind of not have this kind of thing happen because I'm trying to make sure I talk about some of the prospects that I talk about a little bit less, um, Wiseman, Toppin, etc. But if you missed that one, that's cool. If not, even then, we'll, we'll do it again here for a second. There are multiple reasons why I have not talked about Wiseman as much as the other guys. First, as the question said, is that he is very likely, in my view, and I think the view of most people that have intel around the league, to be gone by six. It's not a guarantee by all indications, but I think if you believe the intel that I've heard and that mock drafts have had, and etc., not, not, not just my opinion, but just the intel side, it is unlikely he's available at six. So from there... I think the Hawks have a hard time picking a pure center if all things were equal. And Wiseman is definitely a center. Now, Okongwu is also a center. I like Okongwu more than Wiseman. That's not a consensus opinion. I, I understand that. It's not like this massive gap, but I do like Okongwu more. That's my personal evaluation now versus the Intel side. I think Wiseman's higher for most people. I like Okongwu more. There you go on that. But regardless, I've said this before, but I'll say it again now. If Travis Schlank in the front office truly viewed either Wiseman or Okongwu as, I want to stress this, clearly the best player available, like in their own tier, best player available, then I would certainly endorse taking them. I probably won't view that way in the draft, especially with Wiseman, but I totally would understand it if they thought that, you know, you know what, this is this is our guy, we love this guy, he's the best player available, we got to take him. I get that. 
I would not view Wiseman as, as that for the Hawks, even at six, and probably not a Conwell either, in the way that I would take him for the Hawks with their current roster setup. Um, it does matter that Capella is on the team. Um, you know, Capella is a huge addition to this roster. It's going to help them a lot next year. But also, just in general, Capella is not very old. He's good, and he's signed for three years. Now, that, that doesn't cross off a center, but it certainly is a part of the reason why I've not talked about Wiseman more. Um, and honestly, leading up to the lottery and, even you know, obviously leading up to the Capella trade, Wiseman was going to be a very prominent part of the conversation. If, if the Hawks did not trade for Capella or another center at the deadline and they had a top five pick, it would have been a lot of Wiseman and a lot of Kongwu on this podcast for the last six months. But they traded for Capella in February, and that makes it a little bit easier to not do so much of that. So as a final thing here, the question... Um, part of the question, I should say, the part about Capella being the quote-unquote floor for James Wiseman is very, very, very aggressive and way too aggressive for me. I think floor is often overrated for most prospects, especially the top guys. Things can go wrong in almost any situation. Um, there are certain guys like LeBron and AD who are kind of a little bit beyond that, but even then, you know, it's tough. I think the assumption that Wiseman's floors Capella is just wrong, and that's not a shot at Wiseman. I think most pro- – in fact, there's not a single player in this class, period, this whole class that has a floor of where Capella is right now. And Capella is a legitimate average or better starter in the NBA. Um, probably, I would say, above average starter at center. But even if you just thought Capella was an average starting center, that's fine. There is not a single player in this class in which that is their floor. Floor is the worst-case scenario outcome, you know, barring health and all that stuff. And there's not a single guy in this class. Lamelo, who I had number one, his floor is not that high. Edwards, same thing. Denny, whoever you want to say. No one's floor is what, what, is what Capella is right now, and that includes Wiseman. Um, if you want to tell me that Wiseman's median outcome is something like Capella, that's a little bit more defensible. I think that um, I don't... I wouldn't say that necessarily because I think Capella is really good, like a top 60-ish guy in the league probably when healthy, but that's more reasonable. I'm a little bit lower on Wiseman, but even 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 then, I think Wiseman is likely going to be a starting center in the NBA. Um, so median outcome-wise, sure, very similar potentially. I've compared those guys, um, not necessarily as players, but as potential impact on various podcasts. I think that Wiseman... My thing with him is his offensive ceiling is not, is not as high as you, people might think that it is, but I think he's going to be a good player. And Capella-level impact seems very reasonable for me on that. So, anyway, that's that's kind of all the reasons of that I have not talked about Wiseman as much as the other guys, like Okoro and Denny and Vassell and Halliburton and Hayes. Um, I just want to say firmly for the record, his floor is not Clint Capella. That's, I will put that on the record right now. Come at me if you think I'm crazy, but uh, floor... Not a chance. Uh, meeting outcome, sure, maybe. But uh, there you go on that. And uh, hopefully that explains why I have not talked about Wiseman nor Kongwu. But I, I have talked about Kongwu more than Wiseman. I'll, I'll be honest about that. And then it comes down to the fact that it's both things. That Wiseman won't be available most likely. And that I'm not sure he's the best fit in Atlanta, even if he was available at number six. Okay, that will wrap up today's podcast. And again, probably the last show of the week here from me. I want to plug one more time all the previous podcasts. We had Jonathan Washerman on yesterday. We've had Brian Schroeder on from multiple installments on prospects in recent days. We had Josh Lloyd in a crossover episode early in the week about the NBA draft, plus myself talking about whatever I've been talking about the last several days. So thank you for listening. As always, please subscribe to the podcast. Please check out the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnHawks. Check out me if you'd like to at BT Roland. Subscribe, rate, review, tell a friend. We will see you next week.